Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, co-host of the Podcast and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel. Back with another one. This is a podcast that uh, me and my roommate, Nick Narov, did. It was like a week and a half ago. We were just talking about our experiences so far in lockdown in the Philippines. It's been damn near a month and a half. <laughs> Going a little bit so crazy, but at the same time, I think it's been, you know, overall, overall a positive experience being able to just sit at home and it makes you think and reflect on your life um i think we're both in the same zone that this is the best place for us and you kind of have to make the best out of a crazy crazy situation so yeah it's a little bit of a different podcast uh, we're a little bit saucy and some drinks uh <laughs> the, the hookah was out but uh, i think it's going to be fun it's going to be an interesting pod and we're planning on launching a youtube channel together so if you like this kind of podcast, you're definitely going to like our YouTube channel. Without further ado, enjoy. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Lavish, lavish condo. Half furnished BGC apartment in the center of Manila, the center of Philippines. Yeah, you know, I felt I felt very excited about this place about three weeks ago. Now I'm like, because in my in my bedroom is a view. I can see the the Manila Bay. I can see the ocean. And initially I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Now I'm just like, eh. eh. Think, think, things have definitely changed though. like I mean I can tell you from a personal perspective uh, from Thailand to Brazil to Toronto Canada it's been in my plan for the last I don't know how long four to five months before I arrived uh, on March 11th to Manila Manila specifically BGC and Philippines has been on my mind so much and you know I've been looking forward to it and now that I've arrived here and as soon as I arrived here five days later we get locked into lockdown not to mention the day before we moved into our semi-furnished not furnished semi-furnished apartment as soon as we moved in to be fair we're just missing a dining table and some chairs it's not well, like well speak for yourself i mean because I'm, I'm 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 missing a lot in my room uh, like i had a whole vision of like lights and, and a desk and a and a and a like gaming chair and everything built for comfort and like an electronic keyboard you know i wanted to get locked down with a lot of stuff that i feel passionate about something that i can practice on and you know as fate would have it i got locked down with your beautiful face and you know pretty much like three four pieces of furniture <laughs> it's, it's it's more than that man we've got appliances we've got you know, a TV, a big TV that is kind of fucked up, but it works. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up is the highlight here. But but I think that like the, the, the point of today's podcast is for us to, to kind of go down a little bit deeper into like how do we get here, where we are now, and what's the future looking looking for us right now. Because one thing is to talk about business and, you know, e-commerce or Source Find Asia, you know, blowing up and... And, and those things going completely off rails in like the best and the worst possible ways. But then there's the other aspect of how do you keep productive and keep sane locked into four walls, 
you know, with like the same four, same three people, the same three people. Yeah. With partial little walks around, you know, uh, the walking dead streets speak, of Manila. Speak for yourself. I haven't left this place in like 17 <laughs> days. <laughs> well, you've been busy. You've yeah, been very busy. I have, uh, okay. Let's start with, um, I mean, you, I guess you already touched on this, but you know, people, let's start with how we got here. Well, I mean, I was going to say that people know because I, I talked about it a lot in the podcast. But they, I mean, they know you from this. Like, you've been on the podcast a bunch of times of when we were in China. Yeah. So, roughly circa November last year. I mean, I, I had, did I tell you that I was moving to Philippines last year? Like, before that time? Yeah, you started talking about it. And I guess maybe this would be a, a good kind of story time for me to catch the folks up on, like, what's been going on with me. So, last time you heard from me or seen me on any of uh, Sourcefine Asia media was probably back in China where we talked about the state, status of e-commerce, the status of manufacturing, the stuff that I've learned from working with Rico and Sourcefine Asia. And afterwards, I departed. I mean, I've had like a, quite a stint around, you know, a, a wedding in UK, going back to Colombia for a little bit, spending about six months in Southeast Asia, specifically in Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, having ups and downs over there. And it all kind of boiled down to November 2019, where I was on the phone with Rico and Rico was telling me, hey man, like I really feel the energy here in Manila, specifically in BGC. I feel like people are missing out on a lot of what BGC and specifically Manila has to offer. People tend to overlook it for the islands and whatnot. So after about 30, 40 minute conversation, you know, Rico being the amazing salesman that he is, he sold me on coming down to visit him at my least opportune time, right before my mom came to visit me in Thailand. Sorry, I need to talk about the, the master plan. So I was like, I was I was in Zambia at the time, I just come off of like, I was, what did I, I was in Hong Kong for like two weeks, and then I was, I was in Nantong and Shanghai for like a week before that, then I was in Hong Kong for two weeks, and I was in the Philippines for like two, three months. And then I was in Dubai for a couple of days, and then I was in for I was just coming off of a fucking tour de force of, of travel. But then, uh, yeah, I was hanging out in Zambia. I was getting ready to come back to, to China. And then I, I, I caught up with one of our clients, who's also like a friend of mine, Maurice. So if you don't know, Maurice is a found, co-founder of, uh, or founder of Rider Buds. It's like a motorcycle uh, earbuds for yeah and, and right before that very successful FBA seller yeah so I mean Extremely. he used his funding obviously had a good crowdfunding campaign but he used basically his funds from his FBA business to launch an original design so we were sourcing and manufacturing that for him we actually just shipped out his goods about three months ago so I think we should be getting feedback from his buyers I mean so far he said it's been good so anyways but yeah so I was catching up with him because he was like yo where are you at like you know let's catch up so like, I hopped on a call um, and then you know, he said, hey, I was just actually hanging out with Nick the other day. He's kind of depressed. And I was like, why? He's like, well, he broke up with his girlfriend. So that was like... Oh, boy. So I was like, okay. Oh, jeez. I was like, all right. I mean, I was Here busting. we go. Personal tales. I was like, I kind of feel the... I kind of miss the Philippines. I was like, Nick kind of needs some rejuvenation. So then I, I think I called you up that same day. Well, I sent you a voice message on WhatsApp. And I was like, dude, let's, let's hop on a call when you're awake. Yeah. So this was this wasn't something that I was I was ready to jump into, but since you bring it up, yeah. Like I I I had a I had a love, I had a cherish, you know, which is like a very long story for definitely another day that I met in Colombia. We traveled together, we worked together, and once we got to Thailand and Chiang Mai, after about five months together, uh, I just did not 
feel comfortable with uh, where everything was going. I kind of did a 180 and I and I turned back on it and I said, hey, listen, like I, I just I just need to be alone right now to figure some things out. And right around that time when you know I was going through that breakup, that that heartbreak, Rico calls me up and he says, hey man, I'm in Manila. What's up? No, I'm going to. No, were, were you not already there? No, I wasn't there. I called, I no, was, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right. Because I wasn't gonna, I wasn't planning on going to the Philippines. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, part yeah. of my trip. So I was like thinking, yeah. when when Maurice said it was like a light bulb went off, I was like, I want to go back to the Philippines at least for a week because I missed it so much. I had been here for two, three months. I built like a life and I was like, fuck, I missed that, you know, the vibe that, uh, of Manila. And I knew that when I was going back to China, I was supposed to be in China for like yeah. three months straight because it was going to be before Chinese New Year. And, you know, we have that manufacturing craze. So when he said that, I was like, I could do a week in the Philippines before I go back to China. And then when he, I was like, Nick would need, this is like the perfect day. If, you, if you're going through a breakup and you want to go somewhere where, you know, people speak English, the people are amazing, the girls are amazing. You can just experience a completely different thing. And I knew that you hadn't experienced, I, and I said this on the phone, I was like, you haven't seen Manana through my eyes. Because most people come and stay in Makati and, and party and then, they don't actually get to see BGC. They don't even know it exists. I didn't know BGC existed for the first two weeks that I was here the first time. So, yeah. And then, once you confirmed, I was like, okay, let me tell Harrison. <laughs> so I went and I got on a call with Harrison. I was like, dude, Nick is coming to... You hadn't even... In fact, you hadn't confirmed yet. But I just I said, Nick is coming to Philippines. But you know me. You know me well enough to know when I'm like, I'll think about it. You, it's, it you know when it's like, I'll think about it to no, but yeah. I'll think about it to yes. You, you were skeptical of my, what was my line to you. I was like, you said, I don't want to spend 2000 What they say? two racks to <laughs> there was a lot of things said on that phone but basically after i got off that call i realized like man you know what money's money but this once in a lifetime experience that i get to have with harrison and rico like this this is the only one that i so that i'm I was, probably gonna have like a, like a salesperson i was making promises i wasn't sure if i could keep so i told harrison i was like nick's definitely coming down you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be wild. It took a risk. Like, you know? It took a risk. You risked like, to get the biscuit. Yeah, and Harrison was like, okay, I'll think about it. So then when I arrived in Hong Kong, we partied, like me and Harrison and Nick or Mio partied. Um, and also Nick Zieber. So many Nicks. So many Nicks. Um, and then, yeah, that night, like, when I was out with Harrison, I was just like, dude, Philippines, man. Like, we tried to go to Wan Chai in, in Hong Kong and it was fucking dead because that was the protest during the protest time yep. and I was like dude man we gotta go to the Philippines we gotta go to the Philippines so Harrison's like ah oh, yeah I was like dude like that so <laughs> the whole time for two days straight I was just telling him that and yeah got to like uh, pretty much I went to China for four days my employees were like hey Rico it's been three months how have you been I was like oh, I'm good going to Manila next week <laughs> they're like what the fuck so yeah, then uh, we managed to manage to make it happen. So yeah, and, and like on my side, it's like man, I'm I'm feeling kind of lonely. Like I'm feeling down. I'm still questioning the decisions that I've made. And then Rico just, hey man, let's get the call. And I'm in my co-working space. If anyone's familiar, um, Chiang Mai, Thailand, Pun Space. Big shout out. Pun Space is the best freaking co-working space that I can think of there. Like at my private office, it's like 8 p.m. Rico's like, hey man, let's hop on the call. Like let's hop on the call. Let's do it. And then 30 minutes later. I told them, hey, I don't want to make any promises, but I'll think about it. But already in my mind, I already knew 
okay, I'm going to Manila because my mom's coming here in two weeks, so I can do like 10 days. I book my ticket, I come down to Manila, which by the way, is not my first time in Manila. I've gone, I've, I've come here once before. I stayed in Greenbelt, if anybody's familiar. It's in, it's in Makati. It's in, it's in Makati, but it's, the, it's more of a suburb area. Yeah, it's, it's more of like a mall, kind of like family-centered environment. And I still had a lot of fun. Like I found, I found a barcade, I found some really cool bars, but unbeknownst to me, those bars, those barcades Man, were about, in BGC. These areas is making me sad. No. Just the fact that we can't baby, go there baby, right baby. now. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. We're, we're gonna get there. Uh, we're jumping ahead of it. And, and yeah, so like I visited those places. Unbeknownst to me, it was BGC, but I didn't know it at the time. And so Rico showed me some, some videos. He like, he, he like post-mortem, post-hour conversation, like he sent me some videos. I'm like, damn, that looks cool. He's like, hey, check out this YouTuber, check out this YouTuber. Like they're around BGC, this is where we're gonna stay, this is where we're gonna do. He kind of like gave me a little glimpse of, uh, of the itinerary that was waiting for us uh, in the 14 days that I was gonna come down for. And so, you know what? I'm like, man, what I gotta lose? If you can't change what's around you, uh, or if you can't change like your your personal outlook, change what's around you. So yeah. that, that's kind of like what I decided on. So then, you know, based on our conversation, I booked a uh, one-way ticket. I didn't know when I was coming back. I booked a one-way ticket to Manila. I arrived, we checked into our spot, and honestly, what I saw the next 14 days basically changed the course of my life for the next, I would say, at least 14 months. I've had some commitments before, or I guess after Thailand at the end of 2019, like I had to go to um, Bulgaria for a ski trip. I promised my friends that I would go to Sao Paulo, Brazil to check it out, to see what's going on there, which exactly what I did. Uh, January, I arrived in Sao Paulo. Um, February, I was back to Toronto and I was faced with uh, a choice, basically going back to Brazil. And this is when Corona started happening, I guess, more or less. Going back to Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, to hang out with my friends and to just chill or to fulfill my promise to Rico, which was, hey, let's get a two bedroom apartment together. Let's hang out. Let's, let's find something that is good enough for us, which is like, right in the center of BGC, something that's two bedrooms, something that we're both happy about. The views was definitely a big part of it. The rent price, of course, as always, was a big part of it. And just the mobility, the sense of mobility, which is like, how, how close am I to restaurants, to bars, to nightlife, to co-working spaces, to offices, and so on and so on. So while Rico was on the ground at that time, which was around February, March-ish, he was on the ground, he was exploring, he was starting to shop around for two bedrooms. I was between Sao Paulo, Dominican Republic and Toronto, uh, somewhere around there. And we almost had like daily phone calls for about an hour talking about like what's possible, what we can do, kind of like hyping each other up. And, and well, at least voice that. messages and just sending me sending uh, videos of the apartments I was looking at. And me uh, dropping you some stories about some of the, the, the random situations you get into when you're, you live in the Philippines. Um, and some of the people I meet on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thrown into it because I, I thought originally, I mean, if, if it, I'm sure anybody that's listened to the podcast before knows, I was talking about coming here in February, pretty much from last year in January. And then I kind of started to think maybe April would be more realistic uh, just because of Chinese New Year and then having to, you know, typically after Chinese New Year, like it's busy just before Chinese New Year and then there's like a big break for like three weeks to a month and it, it 
typically ramps up again like because all the customers that were trying to place orders that didn't get orders through um, new projects that uh, we're discussing throughout the holiday this was actually the first year that we had a pretty fucking amazing you know uh, first quarter of the first couple months of the year this is the first year that we had people signing up for projects knowing that they wouldn't uh, start the project for like three weeks or a month you know what I mean? it was like they wanted to get it aligned like in previous years it would always be like oh I'll just wait till you guys open again so people were actually sending us money I was like this is going to be a good fucking year like last and, year was and our then, best and year and then the corona happened <laughs> and then the coronavirus happened yeah last year was our best year and I was like oh this is going to we're going to crush it coronavirus stuff. So a lot of, a lot of, the, I mean, the factories just weren't open, right? Like it was crazy. The factories weren't open for like a month, extended holiday. All that, like Mike's situation was even worse because Mike has the, during Chinese New Year and the summer, those are the two times when he makes like the most amount of money with basketball. It's literally millions of dollars being thrown around yeah. for tournaments and stuff. And some of it is government sponsored. Some of it is just rich Chinese people that are like, yo, you get your best players, I'll bring my best players, I bet you money, I bet you $200,000, you can't beat me. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> some high stakes betting going <laughs> exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, you know, he usually makes quite a bit of money during that, during that space of like two, three weeks, you make quite a, quite a bit of money. Um, I said, yeah, all that stuff got canceled. All the Chinese New Year celebrations canceled. Everybody, like, the, everybody had to stay at home. China's on total lockdown. So now I'm fucking like, okay, I guess I can't go back to China. I was in Indonesia. I was like, I guess I'll go to the Philippines for two weeks and see how, you know, things play out. If it, if I can go back to China after that, I'll go back to China. And then now I might as well look for apartments for April. I'm still thinking April. And then cut to like my second week in Manila. I'm like, switched up. I'm like, can we get an apartment for March 15th? And Nick's booking his tickets as well. So, yeah, I ended up just, I had, I told Nick I had a realization. I was in the gym and I was just like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, yo, I, did I just move to the Philippines? I was like, I guess, I guess I did. Yeah, like I, yeah, I moved. Yeah, like I'm here. I'm like this is where I live now. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really make sense for me to go back to China because of the coronavirus, and I'm about to sign a lease for a year, for March fifteenth. So, and that was like, well, that was like maybe two weeks later or three weeks later. So, yeah, which which was kind of like my idea as well because I I started a spreadsheet of you know like comparing Manila to all the other cities. And based on like 15 factors that I laid out from like uh, localized mobility, um, you know, generalized mobility, like how close am I to all the other Southeast Asian and Asian countries, the cost of living here, the language, the people, the culture, everything just kind of made sense. Everything fell into place. The one thing I definitely did not account for was the lockdown, was how seriously Duterte was going to take um, this whole lockdown thing. And, and yeah like it, it, it just kind of it's it snuck up on me personally because i arrived here march 11th we had an airbnb we were supposed to move into our place march 17th but rico negotiated with the landlord to get us into into our apartment like actually like living here march 15th and then we got here we went out shopping for bedding and whatnot like very simple you know like duvet pillows whatever and then the next day, March 16th, everything went to lockdown. Everything got closed down except groceries and pharmacies. Yeah, we were... It's funny because we moved in. Yeah, originally our landlord wanted us to move in on the 17th. Which would have been hectic. So which would have been like the 15th, 16th, 17th. It's like three days there, but it's not, it sounds like it's not a big deal. But we were just doing the analysis and we're like, well, we can save $200 by not 
renting another Airbnb for three days. So I just told that to the landlord and I was like, I don't care if the place is still under construction. Like I'd rather be there and start to get settled. I, I was I, I was also coming off of like six or seven Airbnbs straight and I was just like, I don't I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I was I was coming off of five different countries and like six different plane rides in the past like three months. Yeah. So I mean it was it was it was good because yeah, we moved in and got like duvets and pillows and some glasses and I think that was pretty much it, the basics, right? We've got the vase, pillows, glasses. We've got the bar, which should candle. be the photo of this whole podcast. The bar is amazing. We stacked it all up. And then, yeah, the next day was lockdown, so we couldn't buy this dining table, which was supposed to split the cost with the landlord. Um, I would have probably gotten a second set of pillows because I usually get, like, I usually have four pillows. It's not important, but bigger couch, uh, maybe a couple of desks for working, like yeah. workstation. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have enough, but it's still pretty bare bones. So, so it's like as soon as we moved in, we had a semi-furnished apartment. And by semi-furnished, let's say, let's describe our living room. So we have an old couch, a small old couch, um, a fairly decent wooden table. Uh, that's just like a dining room table. Coffee table. Or coffee table, whatever. We have a TV. We have a little mount or a little, like, what do you call that? Under the TV. Yeah, it's like a, a little shelf shoving you under yeah, the TV it's a, it's a shelf, and yeah. that's about it I mean in, in both of our bedrooms we have a bed and it's I have it's technically a display cabinet but it's smaller yeah so like in my room I have a bed and a cabinet and built in closets and Rico has built in closets and just a bed so that's why that's why I call it semi furnished because like I wasn't I personally wasn't ready for this whole thing like I, I had plans to get a professional desk get a professional chair Get a get a keyboard that I can practice on because I want to learn piano, and none of those things came to fruition. And then we went to lockdown, and we were supposed to come out of lockdown in Manila this this coming Sunday. Uh, this right now being April eighth, I believe. Yeah. We we're supposed to come out this Sunday. The lockdown just got extended to April thirtieth. So still, for the next pretty much three weeks, we can't really buy anything. Like I checked Lazada, everything's out of stock. I checked. Um, AliExpress, like they're not delivering to Manila, Philippines, to our address. So everything's kind of, kind of went like upside down. I guess for people and like the people that listen to podcasts, mostly in the states and in Canada, but there's a lot of people in Europe and actually some people in South America. I always get surprised when I see some of the countries. Yeah. But um, what like I, we have to describe what the lockdown is like because I'm sure the rest of the world is also going through some of the lockdowns. But I, I saw an article the other day that they had like a different lockdown from China. Like, yeah, we know about our friends in Canada and, and family in Canada. Like, their lockdown is like significantly more relaxed. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's US very is, different it's, from it's everyone that I've talked to. Country, yeah. yeah, from everyone that I talked to, uh, I think it's it's very different from what we have going on. I mean, on one hand, yeah, like we're allowed to go outside and walk around their area, but it's like, but, but basically imagine this. So Metro Manila is broken down to 13 different cities, quote unquote cities, as I like to call them villages. And uh, so you have like villages like Makati, Taguig, Quezon, right? Quezon, uh, Mandaleon. Um, I mean, the main ones, uh, what's, what's it, Ortigas. Um, yeah. So, so regardless, so you have these like little villages, bro- like everything's broken up into those, and it's like at this point there they're, is they're they're technically they're, districts if, you, if you're yeah talking to somebody from the west, and you can't enter 
the district or leave the district without proper authorization or paperwork to show that you should be leaving it or you have a reason to leave it. So it's like, like either you live there or you work there, but if you work there, you'd have to have like a special badge that says I work for X company that is in this district. Yeah, so it's like, I can go for a walk outside, sure, but all the restaurants, all the stores are closed We're living down. in a police state, man. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty, over, man. It pretty much what it comes down to, bro. And and it's like, I can go for a walk, get some fresh air, but it's not going to do me any good. If anything, I'm going to get stopped by local police, like local BGC rent cops and be asked like, hey, sir, where are you going? Sir, what are you doing? Oh, I'm looking for a grocery store, 7-Eleven. Oh, I see a 7-Eleven right here. Go there, sir. Like, please stop walking around and go over there. I'm like, God damn it. I just wanted to go for a, for a little walk, get some fresh air, and nope, nope, you can't. Like, stay in your home. Like, stay, like, no one takes, as far as I know, maybe some European countries like Italy, well, China, Germany. China, China, China wasn't fucking around. Yeah, maybe Wuhan. But it's like, now, do you have a purpose to even leave your house? house? Like, even, I don't remember which city, but Michael Michelini, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with, his wife flew back to China from Chiang Mai and he flew to Manila, so he was here. And um, his wife was in her hometown visiting family for Chinese New Year. And in her area, they were literally giving out like tokens. So you would get essentially like, I think it was like three or four tokens a week. You cannot leave your apartment area, like your apartment uh, complex yeah. without the token. And the token basically says, I can go to the market and buy groceries. Like that's how serious the shit was. And in Guangzhou, it was the same thing. It would be certain days where you weren't allowed to leave your complex. And also they became more strict about who was in the complex. I literally, I haven't been in China for like more than two months, maybe three months. I got a, like a call from my, um, the, the guy who manages our property, uh, our apartment. And he was like, yeah, I just got a call from the police. They wanted to know, uh, you know, are you in China? And uh, where have you been in the last two months? <laughs> And if you are not in China, like we need to know your, we need to see your plane ticket, and like you basically need to show the itinerary of the countries you visited in the last two months. I was like, dude, I'm not there. I don't plan on coming back anytime soon while this lockdown, while this uh, the coronavirus is still, you know, um, as as aggressive as it is. So yeah, just tell them, tell them I'm not in China. I might never come back. Who knows? I mean, obviously I'm gonna go back, but it's like it could be. It's kind of ridiculous because it's like I could come back six months from now. Like, I mean, why would they want to know where I'm at right now? So I think he just went back and told them like, yeah, he's not in China. Police state, man. It's <laughs> fucking over, man. Just want to know where you are, man. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into the conspiracy theory side of it a little bit, but I do think, obviously, the virus is real. Like, I actually know people who other like their family members or friends have been infected or died. I, I know actually have one person who's like a family friend who, whose mom died like last week. But uh, I think at the same time, you know, if I'm a government and especially Chinese government, they already monitor, you know, the, the, the movements and the communications of the citizens through WeChat and various Chinese applications. This is a good time to test what it would be like if you wanted to implement martial law and control where everybody moves, yeah. you want to learn more about people. Because like right now, if you go into China, they basically will take a whole fucking, all your DNA and plug it into their system. Jesus. And they just basically have all your biological... It's a bad time data. to be a foreigner in China right now. Yeah. I mean, you can't even go back now as, as we speak. It's like, you know, I have a lot to enter. But like, yeah, like right now, everybody is like 
I think they're even saying there's like um, you get like a pass if you if you pass like uh, the test and whatever, and then that thing is something that it's like a QR code that uh, for, like a checkpoint will yeah. scan. It pulls up your information, saying who you are, your yeah. age, and like green, you know, the yellow, test results right. and all that stuff. And it's like yeah, so they just have that information. So I feel like, you know, not maybe not every government, but I, I do think a lot of the governments are taking this opportunity to to see what it would be like if if they controlled society a little bit more, if they had more information about you as a person, as an individual. A word ago, you're starting to sound like uh, some state police advocate. <laughs> No, not an advocate. I'm just saying, like this is. I don't. I don't think that's a positive thing. You know, I don't think it's a positive thing for for people to just have all of your biological DNA and data, like when you you haven't committed any crimes or anything like this. Yeah. You know, who knows what they do with that information, right? So, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's one thing I was thinking about. But beyond that, I guess what we really wanted to discuss is how this has affected us personally. I mean, I, obviously, I I can't move around freely. I can't go to my in China, we are going through one of the busiest times ever in our company, and I can't physically be in China, which is really frustrating. Even if I was in China, it's not like I would just be like rolling around the country, like you know, I mean, yeah, visiting factories. Um, it would still be, you know, controlled movements and, and difficult to get around. The lockdown, specifically, the first week. Okay, so again, just to give some perspective on BGC, imagine a mini Manhattan. You know, like probably you know one tenth the size of Manhattan, and just imagine that being surrounded by the rest of the boroughs in New York, which would be so Manila as a whole, so BGC is like Manhattan, and it's you know where the some of the richest people live. This is where the banks are. Um, there's also a lot of nightlife here. Entertainment. Um, you know, spas, men's lounges, like the the refined overall awesome place to be like you can be in bgc and just not go not leave the area at all for months if you wanted to nobody's outside you walk outside we're literally right next to the biggest banks in the philippines and you know the towers of the biggest banks in the philippines and this is nothing no movement no like the lights are on but nobody's home kind of thing which is super Shut weird down. super weird like walking around in a metropolitan city and it's fucking empty which is what I would imagine New York going through right now because yeah. New York has like an, an, an equal kind of lockdown yeah so that's that's kind of what it is and you know you, you look outside and there's like one or two cars driving around it kind of looks like a video game sometimes and then yeah the first week was really rough because the business side of things I mean we were still cook, cooking with Sourceman Asia but it slowed down so I was kind of like, I didn't have to necessarily do much during the day. I was trying to work on marketing materials. But I was like, just waking up late. Yeah, Nick and I playing card games with our friend Jamie and getting drunk and just, like, just being overall not productive. Yeah, just trying to pass the time. Just pass the time. But then you realize, like, man, I'm in it for the long haul, so yeah. I gotta get some shit done. Get, get, get into some, some, some sort of routine. And then the second, I mean, the second week for me, I started going crazy, but then we had all these uh, COVID-19 medical supplies start fucking so many requests for millions of units of X and the New York state government wants this and you know Europe wants that and Brazil so that on one side has been really positive because I've been able to throw myself into that work but at the same time it's been extremely stressful because we have to condense essentially what would have been a month of work into like less than a week um we hired three employees in the space of five days. Like, 
we're working with literally every single fucking resource that I have from China to try to get pricing to you know get buyers to you know like verify documents and like it's it's just insane it's insane um, what's what was the second week like for you yeah so the first week kind of like it, it was like oh oh boy like the world's coming to an end so I guess we're gonna buckle down here and you know get drunk and play some games but the second third week you realize man this is like we're in it for the long haul so let's work on something positive like let's work on our business so Rico from what I've seen he threw himself into source financial business he worked with his current clients uh, he had a lot of demand from US Canada Brazil Europe in terms of like safety equipment so I saw that firsthand like me waking up after him me going to sleep before him for me personally uh, as an Amazon seller uh, my products hit right along the lines of the safety equipment of you know for COVID-19 even though it's beauty products it was still kind of it, it, it fit that category of safety equipment so for me the sales just went up three four hundred percent it was kind of crazy to see so for me I kind of had to kick my rear into gear and you know get get like get to get in touch with my current supplier get in touch with my whole team my whole fulfillment team in china and just like hey guys like we're selling out so we got to get this stuff moving uh, which is exactly what happened um and so yeah like basically after second week it's like you know develop develop a routine like learn something new apply new knowledge to the business and start working on your business otherwise you know, it all kind of goes sideways. So the first week was kind of like, oh, party till no tomorrow. And then second week onward, which is now we're in the fourth week. So the last, I would say two and a half weeks was just, hey, let's create some sort of routine to stay sane. Let's work on our businesses. And if you're not working on your business, learn some new skills that are compatible to the business. For me, personal example would be, one thing is like waking up early. And by early, I mean like 9 a.m. That's early for me waking up early and then working on my personal health routine in the more in the morning which is like you know exercise Wim Hof breathing uh, meditation and then jump into for like two three hours four hours into like contacting my suppliers working with my fulfillment team to get the stuff that needs to get to US and Canada and Europe and then the rest of the day is basically learning compatible skills. So I picked up one of the skills that I chose to dive into was copywriting because I think it's it's important if you're doing any kind of e-commerce in the future. That's one of the things that I see something that's gonna be compatible with what I'm doing and also help me out with you know the future. So it's like reading a lot of books on copywriting and then practicing copywriting. That's been me. What about you? I mean, my routine. My routine has been, you see my routine, it's mostly just working. Because the, the thing about what's going on with us right now is like, I'll get, even today, for example, post 6 p.m., I got an email, I got an email from one person asking for pricing on a certain product. And then I got, uh, I was put into a WhatsApp group by another person. And then somebody else also hit me up directly on WhatsApp. And it's like, all of this stuff was like, you need this information, like, now. <laughs> so I'm like sitting... I wanted to go take a shower and I'm sitting there for like an hour trying to fucking reply to these messages and I'm just like I can't I can't move like I have to I have to reply to this shit because it's like if I don't 
you know, one, it's not just the buyers that need that information immediately to make decisions. It's also the fact that the factories are jacking up prices on a daily basis. So it's like, even if I decide to be like, fuck it, I'll reply tomorrow. It's like, if I reply tomorrow, the information that I currently have is not relevant tomorrow. So I have to tell you today so that you can make a decision so that we can help you in your process. Otherwise, there's no way to do any sort of business. Yeah, in China, things seem to be changing every 24 hours. Like, things are getting crazy. It's not even just China. It's also the states, right? Because, I mean, the and the factories now are beginning to get frustrated with some of the certifications that the, the U.S. is requiring, um, specifically for KN95s. You know, they're just making Chinese factories jump through a lot of hoops. <laughs> I'm going to get into the conspiracy theory part of it. Well, well, rightfully so, because there's been so much failed equipment all around, like, Europe and the United States. Yeah. Well, it's also because people don't do the due diligence, you know? Like, um, I've been, I mean, I've been dealing with China for five years, and Mike's been doing dealing with China for 12 years. It's just one of those things, man. Like, if you don't know how to source from China, and you don't know how to verify certain information, and you don't have the right questions to ask, you, you'll definitely get some fake stuff. Yeah. So there's opportunity, opportunists, especially right now, because they know that there's a desperation. They know that people are sending money without, like, any sort of documentation they know that if you pay a deposit and then they change the price tomorrow it's like what choice do you have like you're trying to go find another supplier the other supplier is going to be even more expensive than us right now so they just there's just like it's a seller's market and a lot of people just that jumped into it don't know how to source from china so i mean my initial thing was just making content about teaching people how to communicate with suppliers for this specific purpose and then i got thrown into it with all, all the potential uh, inquiries that we got so yeah I mean my routine has just been you know I pretty much go to sleep at fucking 4 o'clock 3 o'clock 4 o'clock in the morning because I'm usually working with Mike Mike is in the US so I try to work with him till you know his afternoon and then I wake up around 8 uh, I try to not check my messages but that's been come see come sound the last week I try to not check my messages and stuff for like an hour an hour and a half just sort of listen to some podcasts, wash my teeth, shower, drink coffee, just kind of get myself into a nice mindset. And then, then I jump into it, like phone call with Mike, phone call with the team, phone call with uh, the investment group that we're trying to put together, touching base with factories, and I'm just sitting around all day responding to messages and, and going back and forth with the staff. And then, and then of course, I'm the money guy, so I have to, have to be on alert to make payments because this is another one of those. Like today is a perfect example. We have gloves that we're buying disposable medic, uh, disposable examination gloves, neutral gloves. We got a quote from a factory last night, and then this morning we double checked that the quote was still valid. They said, "Yeah, we have stock because we're trying to order seventy-five thousand gloves." And then we asked them, "Okay, that's good. Send us an invoice." Um, they said, "You need to pay an RMB." So I was like, okay, "We don't have that amount of RMB in China, and I tend to not keep that much RMB in China." So I was like, no problem, we can get the money in today. They said, perfect, sent the money to go remit, go remit, received it, sent the money over to, to our operations manager, who was then going to transfer the money to the factory. And in the space of waiting for the money to arrive with government and government transferring the money, it took probably four hours. The price had changed. They'd sold almost all of their stock. Luckily, they still kept a little bit for us because we paid... A deposit yep and it wasn't like a like they had the stock ready so we just paid a deposit to stay in line really yeah 
but the price changed even in the space of four hours and then they sold out we were the last i guess the last buyer to, to buy from them and then the price the price went up by probably 20 percent and then they said it's going to go up again tomorrow by 30 percent and it's like that's just the climate of the situation it's like if i'm not sitting around on call waiting for somebody to confirm hey rico you need to make a payment like now we might lose out on that on that factory or we might yeah. lose out on that production or the prices are going to go up like fucking significantly and kill our entire margin on the product so it's like a balance of like staying sane within these four walls of a semi-furnished apartment in a ghost town and yeah. also like trying to close deals yeah. at the same time in china where everything's changing 24 every 24 hours like things even, change even, i mean even six hours 12 hours like it really just depends so it's we've never been in this kind of situation before like this is just insanity it's it's really madness like you it's know madness. it's a madness um but yeah at the same time it's exciting you know like uh, it keeps me stimulated like i'm walking around fucking making phone calls making deals happen I'm t- i've my network has really come through in a ways that i didn't really expect uh so that's been interesting just to see okay like i'm not physically in china but i basically have such a, a quite a large presence there the biggest i guess the biggest problem has been getting the buyers to understand what's going on yeah on the chinese side and to, and to trust that we know what we're doing and to move quickly because the, the slower they react the worse it is because the prices go up there's less production every 24 hours every 24 hours i mean some of the buyers we spoke to two weeks ago I mean, they're kind of fucked now because, like, for example, with the, the medical gowns, right? That that just completely got priced out. Like, it went from being thirty, fifty cents a unit to four dollars a unit. Yeah. And it's like two yeah. weeks ago is like a year now. <laughs> yeah. It's like a year ago. And it's like, well, if you had sent a deposit at the time when we told you to send a deposit, which was two and a half weeks ago, you would have had medical gowns for thirty, yeah. fifty cents a unit. Yeah. Now it's four dollars. I mean, what can I tell you? There's nothing I can do about it. So, so what's your prediction moving forward? Like, where do you see this panning out over the course of 2020? Ah, uh, man. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think just looking at productions. I think um, it depends on the product. So, if you well, just ask me about product specific stuff because yeah. if, if you're talking KN nine fives. I think everyone keeps saying that the U.S. is going to peak in demand and X, Y, and Z, but that, that really just depends on how much they're able to control the, the virus. And so far, it seems like no country has really been able to control the virus. Even with China, it's like, okay, the infection rates went down, but then as soon as they started to open up again, the infections went back up. Yeah. So it's going to be a while, man. It's going to be a while. KN95s, like the weirdest thing is all the, all the regulation. So in response to what you were saying earlier, like that there was a lot of fakery and fuckery this is my new, new term don't trademark don't, don't. <laughs> remember we heard the first folks fakery and fuckery there's a lot of fakery and fuckery with the, the certifications and the masks so in response to that the Chinese government said okay no any factory that is not certified to sell medical devices in China cannot export from China and it takes a month for those factories to go through that process yeah. which specifically with the med- medical guns that eliminated about 90% of the medical gun factories overnight like this. That's why the price jumped from 30, 50 cents to like $4 a unit. Um, and then with the K95s, it eliminated most factories, but there's still like a weird gray area where it's like, 
you know, a lot of K nine five factories were uh, had the medical license to to sell in China because obviously China went through this before everybody else, so they had to get registered to sell within China. But then they didn't have like the, the FDA was like, oh, we don't trust K nine fives anymore. Then okay, we trust K nine fives. Then CDC is like, well, we trust K nine fives, but here's this new regulation called EUA, and technically there's only two factories in China that are qualified to 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 export as a medical device to the U.S. But it's still not illegal if you send K nine fives, you just can't sell them to a hospital. I was just like, okay, fucking, can somebody give me a clear fucking answer yeah. as to what is legal and what's not not legal? We've paid FDA importers who do this for a living, and they're just kind of like, man. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, it, it's it's illegal. They could seize your goods, but at the same time, they're not seizing everybody's goods. It's not illegal, but it's not illegal. like it's. There's nobody can give me a clear answer. People that have been doing this for 10, 20 years don't know. The factories don't know. This, the freight forwarders also don't know. It's just like a weird. And the fact that the rules change pretty much every couple of days is also not helpful because nobody's an expert at, yeah. at this stage. So what kind of faker and fuckery do you see happening right now in, with China suppliers and you know, uh, freight forwarders? Freight, for, uh, freight forwarders, I mean, we, I'm not worried about my freight forwarders because you know, we have established relationships. Like my not, freight, not even yours, just in general. Uh, I mean, I, I guess with the freight forwarding side of things, I think they could be false promises where they say hey we can definitely get you into the states and then they don't have the network or the the certifications to get the product out as a general rule of thumb smaller shipments are easier so if you're shipping out like a million units if you can break it up into smaller shipments the pricing won't really change uh, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult to manage obviously because you have if you break it up into 5000 10000 unit units like in, in a million unit shipment that's just more work um, so that's pretty much the safest way to roll around but like yeah I would be wary of a freight forwarder that just kind of says yeah yeah no definitely we can export it's like no like nobody really knows you need to be talking to a freight forwarder that's actually doing it and ask them what they are currently doing to sort of either get around the you know regulation that's always changing or help you like actually you know do it the right way so the right way basically would be to work with an importer who has a medical license medical import license in the u.s so there are um, agents that have that license but the agents now are fucking charging crazy percentages to do that or you can find like a medical supply company and ask them if they like if you have buyers and stuff like that maybe they can sort of broker the deal yeah which is kind of like what we're doing we're working with brokers that are connected to medical supply companies that are selling to hospitals and various like um, you know private and public entities so i mean that's that's pretty much the best course of action but yeah i think it's not going to go away anytime soon i was i was watching the news today and a couple like last week the cdc announced that all americans should wear masks when they're outside at all times so i think that the supply will shift from product to product it's already shifted this week i noticed the last two weeks, I noticed that the shift went way more from KN95 masks to medical gowns and gloves, and this is these are products that are one-time use, right? Yeah. Like it's like a, a doctor wears a medical gown that has to be thrown away immediately. Same thing with the gloves has to be thrown away immediately. So it's just like that shit is not going to go away for a long time. So that's why the factories are backed up to September to fucking March. That's why they're jacking up the prices on a daily basis. Because that demand is crazy. K95s is just way more suppliers available. 
and it's also going to shift to different countries. So like now we're talking to Brazil, we're talking to Europe. So I think I think the if the U.S. peaks, let's say in a month, yeah, you know, this, the rest of the world is still going to need these uh, supplies. Yeah, South America especially. I see South America and India being yeah. the next markets for that. I see those countries getting hit the hardest out of everybody. Yeah, what I, what I what I'm curious about is where where is the ceiling in terms of the pricing? Because I mean, at some stage, like I was talking to Mike, and he was like, with the guns, it's like. If your budget for medical guns was a hundred thousand dollars based off of fifty cents per unit, and then it goes up to four bucks a unit, like you can't afford to 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 give enough medical guns to your staff. Like mm-hmm. so, at some st- at some stage, people get priced out. Yeah. And then what do you do? Because the non-certified guns are still fifty cents to thirty cents a unit. Yeah. People, I think people are going to start cutting corners. I think regulations are going to be more relaxed. The regulations are already more relaxed now. There's some 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 um, hospitals actually the actual medical staff are just like get us what you have because we're you reusing product we're using our bras we're using like we're using stuff that we should not be using yeah I'd face mask. Ra- exactly i'd rather have a fake kn95 than have to reuse a real n95 or kn95 what defines a fake just KN95. not certified but i mean but it's still a mask it's still a mask, exactly. But I, I guess the difference is that with something like this, uh, specifically with the coronavirus, it has to have a certain filtration rate. Yeah. So with um, so this point, like all bets are off. Like all the all the certifications are off. Like it's just we just need see, see, protective equipment. Yeah, I think I think for the actual people that need it, like the actual people that use these products on a daily basis, they don't care. Obviously, they care that they, they want to have the real thing. Yeah. But they're at a stage where they know that the real the supply for the real thing is just not there. Yeah. So just like give us so what you have. Like whatever. Just give us what you have because it's desperation time. Yeah, we're not protected. Like it's just the reality of the situation. And then yeah. the U.S. is like, well, we still need to go through. The government's still like, well, we need to go through the, the proper regulatory process and all that stuff for imports. So what are the opportunities that you see moving forward? Um, I, I, I feel like, I, I don't, the part that I'm not sure about is like, how quickly are the factories that aren't certified going to get certified? That's one. And then two, how quickly does the U.S. realize like we need to, um, we need to lower our regulations? Because when we're talking to Brazil, some people have said, hey, we need all the certifications. And some have been like, ah, you know what, CE is fine. Just one certification is fine. We don't need all three. Like, yeah. It's not a big deal. And that's why Brazil still hasn't really adjusted to the prices yet because they're still used to paying you know, a dollar a unit. They're not there yet. For N95, okay, yeah. N95 mask. Whereas like, the US, that shit is selling for five bucks, four bucks. Like, yeah. Brazil's still like, ah, what, two dollars? That's expensive. And then like, if you want the real thing, yeah, that's two dollars, three dollars, whatever, from from factories. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see what's gonna happen in terms of like, who's gonna who's gonna budge first? Is it is it are you lowering your regu- your regulations or are the factories stepping up the game? Yeah, I feel like the factories that are processing large orders or we're processing large orders to the states, they will get regu- They will go through the regulation regulation process just because they have big contracts and probably relationships they want to maintain mm-hmm. but some of these ancillary factories that are just like we're making money and then the regulations and they're like ah fuck that this is focus on shit yeah <laughs> let's focus on other countries that are easier to sell to because the demand is still there yep um so i mean in terms of opportunities 
the U.S. is still, from a business perspective, the U.S. is still primary target. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a buyer, I think you have to take the onus on your hands and take the risk, which is kind of what we're doing right now, is trying to put together our own money and send over goods. Yeah. Because we can't really wait for other people to send us money. Of course, we'll still do that, but that shouldn't be, we can't just be sitting around waiting for that to happen. And then if you're, you know, looking at it again from long term, like then you need to start looking into other countries and, and establishing networks in some of these countries where we think it's going to be bad in the next, you know, one or two months, like Brazil, like the rest of South America, like uh, uh, probably most of Africa as well. Um, Europe is interesting because Europe, it's like, I mean, it's it's been hit hard in some parts and it hasn't in some other areas, but they're way more thoughtful about the process, not in the sense of like worrying about getting fake goods, but just the process of like ethical sourcing and ethical trading when it comes to COVID-19. I've had way more ethical conversations with European buyers and my European business partners than I've had with Americans. Like Americans is like, how do we make this money? <laughs> like, this is very fascinating. To have these yeah. different to see these different viewpoints, but yeah, no, I mean it's a it's a weird time because it is like I was telling we had quarterly projections for the year, and I was just reviewing the revenue from the last literally the last two weeks, and I told the team I was like we pretty much crushed our <laughs> our quarterly revenue projection yep. in the past two weeks. I mean, if it goes if it continues like this, we'll crush our yearly revenue projection in like a month yep which is I mean I don't know how much this is going to translate to profit but like yeah it's still this is a good business to be in uh, yeah it's weird though it's very very strange 20 hours a day work, work I have I have shifted though I have shifted from because initially when you when people because you're going to go insane yeah like no, if, if you're just answering calls answering all the time questions. like like you're, you're going to go crazy well two parts so I have shifted in terms of like you know, I started playing NBA 2K because it was a long weekend and China was closed. So you deserve like, it. So I was like, let me play video games. Just turn off my brain. I couldn't really 100% do that because I was still having to take business calls and stuff in between. But I, I really was like, yeah, I just kind of have to take time in between the day to just do something else and remove myself from the situation and try to not sleep three hours, four hours a day, try to sleep at least six hours. So I'll try to take a nap during the afternoon I try to sleep a little bit earlier or sleep in a little bit just to keep my sanity. Yep. But the other side of it is, uh, I was going to say, like, when people first started approaching me with the numbers and all that, it was, like, exciting. Now I'm desensitized. But I'm also now kind of, like, angry because it's, like, why are, like, if they don't have the supplies, why are you restricting? I understand that there's fake products, but, like, Surely having a fake product is better than having nothing. Yes. When you're covering your, your face with panties and bras yeah. and, and bananas. Yeah, I mean, it's like what? Like if you're going into a fire as a fireman, would you rather have a fake fire protective jacket or would you just go in and with Naked. a t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or reuse a burnt one from before that was real. What's fake? Everything's real until it breaks. Yeah, exactly. So it's like... Okay, so this this one protects you ten percent less, but it's still better than going in, you know, naked. So it's like, exactly. yeah, no, that that that's beginning to make me angry. Is just like I feel like these rules don't mean anything, and then I know that there's just 
people that are way more successful than us that have fucking deals and no people in the government that are just shipping in hundreds of millions of units every week and just the stuff that gets recalled because it it was certified like 30-40% failure yeah that, that are still just raking in billions of dollars. Like, yeah. I mean, I saw that it is a multi-billion dollar industry now. Like it yeah. is, you know. For the, for the next three months at least, I think. And uh, like U- US today could be Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, two more. Yeah. You know, could be South Africa a month from now. You know, like we, we, we don't know that, but all I know is that this thing's gonna keep spreading. You, you can't contain this virus. People are gonna get desperate for protective equipment. Because especially in, in countries, pretty much any African country that you can think of, pretty much South American countries, and any kind of country like even India, that can't, like their hospital uh, supply cannot handle the demand, whether it's private or public, when they can't handle it, they're gonna need outside resources to help them. For sure. No, for sure. They're going to need outside resources. I mean, China is donating product because, I mean, as I've mentioned before in the podcast, uh, the Chinese government took over. So the N95 mask is like sort of the golden standard for this. Um, there were very limited amount of factories that were making N95 masks, at least NIOSH certified, which is the CDC's certifications. Because, I mean, who else was using fucking N95 masks before? Like, it was just medical professionals. Like, no yeah. average person cared about it. Well, nobody, nobody knew about any of this yeah. until about two I months ago. I didn't know what the fucking N95 yeah. mask was two weeks ago. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there was just a very... If you go to the CDC website, you can actually see the list of pre-approved N95 manufacturers. It's only about 2,000 factories around the world, not just China. Like, yeah. In China, there's maybe, like, 20 yeah. So it's like, just to give you some perspective, it's like, even if you have those 2,000 factories globally cooking millions of units on a regular, it still doesn't match the supply, the, the, the demand on a global scale. So that's like, the N95 is so restricted, and that's what's caused this craziness of, of you know, people cutting corners because they just can't get the demand, they can't get those masks. And it takes a while for those certifications to happen. So, yeah, I mean, we've tried calling the FDA directly. To, to ask them questions about the registrations and certificates, their phone is like off the hook. Like they're just getting calls probably twenty four hours a day, yeah. and you know, absolutely, people asking them the exact same questions that we did. So nobody's got a clear answer. Nobody's an expert, and uh, yeah, we're just trying to do our best. Like I think for us, from the ethical side of things, it's like for me, I look at it like when people approach. I didn't, I didn't approach people with this idea. People came to me and were asking me, and then we had to do research. I just always try to get people exactly what they want. Like I was having a phone call with Mike before this podcast and somebody else was asking us for N95 masks, but he said he could either take the Neosh or non-Neosh. So then I was like, well, like who is he selling to? And, and he's probably going to sell them to you know, medical supply companies or hospitals. And I was like, he needs to be aware of the liability around that because it's like right now yeah you could probably do that but there's going to be a retrospective on this stuff in like a year or whatever it is where you know the government entities are going to look back and say who sold non-certified product or fake product or who uh, in- engaged in price gouging um, 
and you know like people are liable for that stuff so I want to I, like that's again from the ethical standpoint it's like I could easily just be like yeah yeah we'll get that product for you but no I was like no you need to be aware of this regulation and I'm so immersed in it that I'm like you know as, as far as experts go on this particular subject, subject I'm probably up there yeah. in terms of understanding the regulations the manufacturing side of things maybe not necessarily the buyer side of things but I do have a good idea of, of the, the climate in the US in terms of buyers because um, my business partner Mike is, is so involved with that right now so yeah I mean that's that's all I can do from my end is like what do you want okay I'll give you exactly what you want but at the same time are you aware of you know the, the ramifications of this or the risks because even if you have a legitimate product it could still get blocked at the, the border like you have to be aware of these things yeah just talk about the I, I don't know man this lockdown like I don't know how long I can continue to to sit inside an apartment for it's, well, it's, it's like week we, three we got, a, we got at least three more weeks to go baby so you know buckle down well, keep I mean, I'm working still, on still, it I'm still holding uh, I'm still trying to be positive in the sense that I think that they're going to start to open up some areas of BGC as a test like people people roam around a little bit they probably won't but hey you know a guy can keep hope so cheers to that cheers to them maybe possibly opening up some areas but you know uh prepare for the worst hope for the best it's rough it's rough man but yeah no i mean i guess everybody listening out there like just feel be positive like try to take take advantage of the opportunity like look look at the opportunities that you presented instead of oh this is the time for me to fuck off and stay at home look at something new you can learn look at some of the new products you can launch or new manufacturers they can work with well, and people get creatively you know because um, I think I think maybe but it, it, yeah but I think it situations like this when you lose your job and you don't have options to get a new job or you know you're stuck this at is home the time. it this forces is the time it forces creative. people that maybe have been procrastinating mm-hmm. about certain things to sort of reevaluate and, and, and try to th- I think they were saying after the 2008 or during the 2008 financial crisis global recession yeah there was like an there was a huge surge in startups yeah because a lot of people just lost their jobs and they couldn't get another job at the same level that they were working in so either they started working as you know barista or whatever and during that time period they started businesses so i think this is probably going to happen as well with, with this during this um, the coronavirus situation yep. is that people are going to get creative and figure out ways to, to stimulate the economy by starting companies and absolutely I mean, don't, don't rest in your laurels <laughs> yeah. I mean we what we did last week which I thought was cool I think we should do again I should probably message Francis about that is we did like a happy hour on Friday which was technically my birthday but let's not talk about that uh-huh. uh, so we did a happy hour through Zoom and it was like four of us and we just kind of caught up and talked and everybody had their their drinks and yeah, I thought that was cool. Then we, we actually caught up with uh, David from Alpha Rock as well after that. So, and then was talking to one guy who um, runs Kumu, who's the founder of Kumu, which is a live streaming app. I just think there's going to be a lot of little things that pop up around yep. VR stuff, look, you know, look, live streaming. Look at the opportunities. Yeah. Don't look at how 
everything is kind of going to shit. Yeah. Like, look at the opportunities. Focus on opportunities. There'll be some VR nightclubs. I'm pretty, you know. VR nightclub. There's going to be some stuff. Because we do need some nightclubs out here, man. <laughs> like, we came to the Philippines to have a little bit of fun, and right now there's not a lot of fun being presented, so hey, we got to look out for other resources. Somebody listening to this podcast, what you should do is create, take the Oc- Oculus Rift, make it smaller, create a virtual nightclub, start shipping that shit globally. And then get some famous DJs to DJ for like a million people in a, you know what I mean? In a VR nightclub. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, guys, uh, we're signing off. So if you like this, if you want to reach out to moi, that's podcast that's com. And then I don't know if you want to reach out to Nick. Nick Nirov. You guys can find me on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. Nick Nirov. N I C K N E R O V. This is Nick and Rico, a.k.a. Nico? Is this something we can brand over here since we're roommates now for the next 12 months? Nico signing off, baby. My marketing Nico is going to be listening to us. He's like, yo, that's my name. What are you doing? Nico Bellic, reach us out uh, for any inquiries you have. Totally legit. Look, I have pen. Cheers. Dodging the people, mad at myself Cause I done seen some things that I'd rather not tell Shawty smoke crack and her boyfriend too And sometimes he touch a daughter how the boyfriends do Pull up to the club where my boys went to See that yellow tape and the boys in blue A nigga on a stretcher and though I never met ya I'm thinking God bless ya, the city trying to get ya Man, don't let the city get ya Fuck the horoscopes, know the ropes like a wrestler If them bullets wet ya, bet your mama need a tissue Your face on the front of our shirt screaming we miss ya Come with me Run quick, see What do we have here?